How is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Buddy's House of Horror Podcast. We are finally on to season two of the original run of the House of Horror. And this episode is coming at you from October 23rd, 2019. It's my interview with my good friend, Midnight Miles. Recording this podcast actually set off a chain of events that led to us becoming really great friends. And so I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet. We're just going to get right to the show. But I do have a quick disclaimer first. I haven't gone back and re-listened to the episode, but I know that we went on a deep backstory on our time in Ashtabula playing in bands and hanging out and we probably said a few positive things about Matt Barnum or Matt Izzy in there but I just wanted to go on record saying that we are no longer associated with them and basically fuck those guys and yeah I don't really have anything else to say about that we've all made public statements about it online if you need more information you could check out the surviving Matt Barnum Instagram page but yeah now that we got that out of the way we're gonna get right to the show if you guys haven't subscribed to the show yet make sure you go ahead and do that and leave me a rating and review and if you're not subscribed over on my YouTube channel yet you gotta make sure you do that as as well. I'm having 31 videos come out this October just in time for the spooky season, so you definitely don't want to miss it. Without further ado, we're going to get right to the show, so as always, take care and stay spooky. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the House of Horror Podcast. We've got a really long episode for you guys today, so I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet. My guest today is Midnight Miles, who's been on the Two Nerds Podcast a few times, but we never really got a proper introduction to him. So today, we're really going to take a dive into how he got interested in horror films, what it was like going to school for special effects, and some of the films that he's gotten the chance to work on. Besides that, we also talk about growing up in Astrobula and the various bands we've been in over the years, and we also get into what we think about the new Blink-182 two albums. All of that and more are coming at you in just a second, and I really hope that you enjoy our conversation. If you guys are new to the show, make sure you guys subscribe to my channel and turn on notifications so you know when I post new videos, and if you were to give this video a thumbs up, it would be greatly appreciated. If at some point down the line you happen to be listening to this interview on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, make sure that you leave me a rating and review. Without further ado, enjoy my interview with my friend, Midnight Miles. So I saw um, recently, I guess not too recent, it's been a couple weeks now, but you actually just got back from the Mothman Festival. You were there a few, I, you were there a few weeks ago. the Mothman Festival. How was, how was that? Uh, it was really cool. I didn't expect it to be uh, so all-encompassing, I guess. It's like it really did take over the entire city. Um, it was probably one of the most interesting groups of people that I've ever seen. Because there really were people from all walks of life, so it's kind of see cool to see like that whole community and like how it reaches out to like people from all over the place, you know, and really captures people's imagination. I guess. Uh, was that the first time you've ever been to that? First time I've ever been there. I wanted to go for a few years, but I wanted to go as part of like a nub's going to do like a, I don't know, not like oddities, but like kind of like a like a weird roadside attractions trip. Yeah. Um, a couple times, but it just didn't pan out. I was going to go down like into West Virginia, cut back into Pennsylvania, and come back up because there's a lot of really weird little off-the-road places in West Virginia from what I've seen. Yeah. I haven't seen two. We went to West Virginia. Emily had a college visit there a while ago. And the to- the town, it was a huge town, but it was Ashtabula. There was like nothing there, but it was just like very big. And, like, the only thing I could find there was, there was, like, one cool little shop that had a bunch of, like, horror artwork there. Mm. Like, there were paintings of, like, the Bride of Frankenstein mm. and, like, 
Uh, there's like a Jason and Freddy Krueger one and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess West Virginia is the place to go for spooky stuff, I guess. <laughs> I guess. There's that website, um, Camera Obscura, I think is what it is. And if you go in there, they have like a catalog of every single state in Oh, it's America. like Atl- Atlas Obscura. Or Atlas Obscura. I'm yeah, sorry. I don't yeah. know why I said you. My yeah. brain. I've only had four cups of coffee today, so I'm still only, about, two, only four. about two shy of, of, of like where my brain starts functioning. Um, but yes, I'm sorry. You are correct. He's correct. Listen to the host of the show. I don't know anything clearly. <laughs> but uh, yes, Atlas Obscura. Um, that website's great, by the way. Oh, yeah. I went because for a while, and I guess this kind of ties into the Mothman thing, but for a while last year, I was um, working the night shift at the news station mm-hmm. and there wasn't shit to do. I mean, there were no like live shows or anything. You mm-hmm. kind of just like make sure the place doesn't explode. <laughs> so I would go on Atlas Obscura cause I was like, okay, well it'd be cool someday maybe to go to every state, but like, I don't want to go and do like the main touristy stuff. I want to go and see like the stuff that's like weird. So I made like a little list of like all the stuff that was in like every state. Um, but yeah, when we went to the Mothman festival, it was right after I got off of a overnight shift, so I worked from like 11 to 7, drove to West Virginia, was out in the hot sun all day, and then came back that night, so I was, I had a lot of fun, but it was like, just sort of like a miserable experience. I'm getting a headache thinking about that experience. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's, okay, so usually in big festivals, I'm not a huge, big crowd person, at least when I've gotten older, like, I mean, like, where I'm just around thousands of people and this sounds horrible but that having a beer or two because it kind of takes that little edge off yeah so it was not it was like one of the hottest days they'd had in a while down there when i went down it was like 91 or something yeah and so it was good i, I brought giant waters and i was like man i, like, I kind of want to get a beer to take the edge off and i went in this place that i thought was a bar and it was like it was like a private gambling establishment and this little old lady, like, it was like, he had to be buzzed to enter. They buzzed us into the first door. I was like, what the fuck? What the hell's going on? And this little lady comes out from the darkness. Like, there was the door open behind, and there was pitch black. And this little old woman, probably like four foot eleven, comes out <laughs> looking like she probably has seen the Mothman and was like, gambling on there in here. And then I was just like, uh, I, I mean, I see it says 21 and over. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll gamble, but can I have a beer? And she goes, hmm, and shuts the door behind her and fades into the black. Oh, really? And then we just had to turn around and leave. And like, huh. so I can't remember the name of that place, but fuck that place. You're probably doing way <laughs> illegal shit in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't, don't park yourself literally so close to the like, downtown and the Mothman things because... You know, I just wanted some air conditioning and, like, maybe one beer. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyways. Did you get any uh, merch when you were down there? Did you get anything I, cool? I just got, like, uh, some cozies because uh, I love cozies. I just have way too many of them for no reason. But I got one that says, it's actually in the car. I believe in Mothman or something like that. And it's just got a big moth on it. It's, like, neon green. Oh, really? It's a mile away. But they had, they had so many shirts and so many things. I wanted to get some of the books, but... Because there were a couple, like, the local authors down there that have right. written, like, one guy had, like, 12 novels, not even just on Mothman, but, like, just stuff in West Virginia. And, like, he, I was like, eh, if I go back again, I really want to take the time and, like, yeah, look at this stuff. But I have so much to read and do right now. I was like, eh, I'm not going to spend money. I was like, I probably 
well, by the time next year comes around, I'll be like, oh, now I can maybe <laughs> take the time to actually read some of this guy's or the other author's stuff, you know, but some pretty cool stuff. Lots of good art and stuff down there, you know? Yeah. La- last year, I almost got this. I kind of regret at some, sometimes I regret I didn't get this, but it was like, it was essentially James Hetfield's body, but the Mothman's head on it. And it said Mothman in like the Metallica font. But yeah, I pa- it was a little expensive, so I passed on it. But I didn't see it. It, it was quite it was interesting. Yeah, but there was some really good. I think it's just when you have enough stuff. Like I looked, I'm like, where am I gonna put this? Or like some of the art prints, I'm like, I have like a I have like a stack of stuff at my house that like I can't even put up because I don't have anywhere to put up. Yeah, or I'll just put it in a corner in a basement. I'm like, why even? Yeah, bother. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't put up. As you can see, I have no. I've barely decorated in this room this so room's, far. This room's sick, though. I, I yeah. didn't expect this kind of stairs. I'm like, wow. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I've got all the movies up, but again, I have like tons of like posters and like wall art and stuff, and like I don't know what the hell to do with it because the ceiling's not even straight. Yeah, I know. So it's either I put all the posters up and they're all crooked, or I put it down on there and risk a cat pissing on it or something. <laughs> So I don't I don't know what to do. You could do across the thing, but yeah, you'd have to make sure they're like real anchored, so someone's not just walking by, just comes down. And, I mean, it wouldn't hurt, but yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, cool. Well, I guess before we dive too deep into your horror background, um, I was introduced to you through music, um, and I guess we've never really talked about this on the show how we first kind of got to know each other. I was always aware of your existence um, because I was in band with your sister. Mm-hmm. But you you were a bit older than me, so I don't think in high school I had any interaction with you at I, all. You know, by the time I got to uh, probably like eleventh grade, okay, so I was in all three high schools. This is probably the viewers are already tuning out. They're like, "Holy <laughs> shit, here comes the worst story of all time." But each year we had a different high. I mean, not each year, but you know, I did ninth grade was a different building, tenth and eleventh was a different building. And then you got the senior year where everyone was combined. Because it was a brand, they had just built it. It was a brand just new. Just a brand new school. So, yeah. like, a lot of the younger kids that people hung out with, I say younger now, but we're all adults now, way beyond that now. But yeah. I didn't meet a lot of them. You know, I mean, they just didn't. Right. I just didn't have the interaction with them. You know, like, I knew people that were older or were in my grade like even even kids like i didn't really know a lot of kids from all the surrounding like geneva jefferson all that and stuff right. like that unless i worked with them because i worked i worked in high school too so like you know i was working going to school and then had a girlfriend at the time and then my my basic friends like that pretty much i didn't meet a lot of the younger anyone even younger than even a lot of people in my sister's grade i didn't know you know yeah but i knew you through, you became friends with Jared. I don't know when. I don't know when that happened. It start well. It first started because I was also in band with Izzy, mm. so that's kind of how I got introduced to the whole music thing. Mm. And so, like, I was at Homewrecker's first show by accident at the Cove. The Cove, yeah, and they made an Evil Dead uh, po- poster. Yeah, it's just yeah, Ash's yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I ended up there somehow, and then. I stayed for a little bit, and I was like, okay, I don't really know. That was my first show ever, mm. so I was like, I don't really know what's going on. You probably would have been... I was in 10th grade. Was, oh, were you that? Okay, I would say at least probably 16 then, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, I, was fi- I still wasn't driving, so I was 15, okay. about to turn 16, I think. Uh, I was actually on Homewrecker's first EP. Were you on that, too? 
when they had everyone go like, well, isn't it my lucky day? I wasn't, no, yeah, you I wasn't, there. I don't think I was there for that. I think I was working or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I remember Homewrecker's second show, and this is where the first time I met you, Homewrecker's second show was at the beach, and mm. American Zero had played that show. Mm. So yeah, I, I helped I, set up, me and, me and Matt Barham co-booked that show. I got the band set up. He got all the OKs for the beach, which I still which still didn't work. <laughs> still, I don't even know how it was even. I don't even know how that happened because we started it as a joke. We're like, I was like, hmm, you know, it'd be really funny because uh, I knew a couple bands that wanted to play. I should be on stuff like, oh, it'd be really funny if we just had a show at the skate park and the beach, not thinking it would ever happen. Just, just yeah. bullshitting, and Barm's like. Oh, that's a great idea. Let, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, like I know someone. I'm gonna go talk to da da da. And I was like, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll put some bands together if you, you know, handle, if, that, if you handle that. And then about a week later, week and a half later, he's like, yeah, I got the okay for this day and like kind of during the day and stuff like that. And I was just like, <laughs> okay, you know, like, yeah. Well, he was really that was you know, those few shows we played with Homewrecker. And the band I was in, American Zero, horrible band name, by the way. You had a couple bangers, though. Couple the, bangers. The, what was the, it? Was like uh, the, work it out. The, oh <laughs> no, my god, up? that song was great. The guitar was great. The recordings. <laughs> we recorded a demo, and it was. Rec- Sorry to Dan Lacey, I love you. I think you were also <laughs> drunk when you recorded this, which doesn't. Anyways, with broken mics, and I swear to God, the mixes are different on every single one. I think I was getting over a sinus infection. Uh, it just was a, uh, God, those recordings were one of the worst things ever. I was literally <laughs> a complete nightmare, but it, but the songs were fun live, you know, we got into them live and stuff like that, but yeah. that was the second time we had that band. That band is actually, there was two different versions of that. Oh, band. really? Yeah. That was my band when I was 14 or 14 to 15 and we broke up right before I turned 16. That was why we actually got that band back together. We got that band back together as a joke. The whole summer was a lot of things where I was like, what if we just did this? And yeah. people were like, let's do it. And then I'm like, oh. And so <laughs> yeah. we played We played with Homewrecker like four shows that summer. There was that place that had the arcade in Geneva on the lake. And in the back of it, they had a giant auditorium. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I, 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 forget, what I forget what it's called. called that because we played there with them twice. One time they set up a show. Another time I set up a show. And then we played the beach and then one other time anyways I got sidetracked but that summer that summer really kickstarted Ashley Buell starting to have shows oh yeah because that was before there was obviously before there was a dedicated venue for that and that's when a lot of bands started getting started and I think the next junior year because that was the summer uh I must have been 16 if I went to the beach show so um my junior year was when I started my band Knuckles mm. Up and that's when oh, we oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gone for that but I saw you guys once or twice yeah yeah and that's when we started playing shows more at the uh, the Eagles Pavilion back in mm-hmm. behind where West End would ultimately mm-hmm. end up being. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, Ryan Zachar's house. I came back for oh a couple Zachar, of, yep. Come back for a couple of those house shows uh, just because they were close to the holidays because I was like living away for a year, you know. And so like I came back for a couple. So I remember Ryan Zachar's head started having a lot of people, and then like you said, the Eagles, there were a lot, there were like, all of a sudden, like 50 to 100 people, like every time. Oh yeah, for sure. Like the, those house shows, those are really where I met like everyone, basically, like Bobby Avalos was there. Um, I remember Ricky used to go to those shows, and his band would play the set, and then the rest of the time he would go and sit up 
like on one of the steps and just be miserable the entire time and not talk to a soul. Classic Ricky. <laughs> Classic. Shout out to Ricky Pizer. Yeah. Rick the Dick, as he's known oh. on, on these shows. Ricky, not too good Pizer. Um, yeah, and then after, the, after American Zero, you were in... Um, Middle state. And this was after I was gone for a handful of years. Yeah, we came back. And another thing was just like meeting some new dudes. And then Jared was, I finally got to play music with Jared and it just kind of like worked out. But that was like the yeah. last year before the music started to go on the downswing. You know, everything has like yeah. a good, every music scene has like a good like five years. And then people become assholes or outgrow it or move or, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, and that's also when I was in my bat last band, The Heel, and then like mm-hmm. after, like once that sort of ended, I sort of got out of the scene for a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was moving around and stuff too. Right. But yeah, it's sort of the Beulah scene isn't what it was, and I think I mean, those like five to like seven years or so mm-hmm. was all it was. So that's what it. I mean, Beulah always had when I was like really young. The Cove used to be the the place, and they would let anyone in i mean you know you had to pay but like i remember going to see local bands at the cove because people's parents or whatever gave us like rides uh when i was like pretty young you know what i mean probably from like 14 or 15 to like you know 17 or 18 then like right around the homewrecker show was one day i went to a show there i think like right after that and that's when i first met Bobby Avalos and Nick Myers, all the Cognac kids had yeah. a couple bands at this right. one show. Yeah. But then they were just, I just didn't like the vibe and I was getting older and I was like, I was like, ah. you know, I was like, I'm just never going back. <laughs> never went back to the Cove all these years later. Are you still haven't been back? <laughs> I haven't been to the Cove since I was like 18 or 19 and I'm almost about to be 31. So that's how yeah. many years it's been. I just, it wasn't for me. Never went to any of those uh, big mushroom head shots oh, yeah. and stuff after you know yeah i played a couple of those uh we played we, we, a good time we played one of those at the uh the fantasy right mm-hmm. down the road as well mm-hmm. and that was like one of their last shows before they shut down for a while mm-hmm. and then yeah, uh, didn't while they ago. didn't they burn down I, fantasy i thought it, they had like a fire or something they might have had a fire they try see they just got rebought by a couple people that own the foundry and some other things but they had been trying to sell that that property for a while. Oh, really? Owned it. So they've kind of like revamped it. Yeah. But that venue is hot as hell. Now they're doing a lot of shows there and like the air circular, you're just eating everyone's air around you. You feel yeah. like garbage when you leave that. Yeah. Anyways. But, um, so I've been meaning to ask you about this because you're the only one I know that really listens to the two of these bands. I, I don't know, know so much anymore. I know for sure one of them. But, um, and you actually have both of them tattooed on your leg, I believe. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, it was sort of, um, I don't know how to put this. Basically, two bands that were super formidable, formative in both of our lives when mm-hmm. we were teenagers, Blink and Alkaline Trio, mm-hmm. kind of came together a few years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt is now in the band. Uh, they put out two records. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never had the chance to talk to you about this i just what do you what what do you what do you think about these uh, uh what do you think about these records <laughs> you know i like parts of california um it has some good songs on it i think both of them are extremely overproduced oh the for guy, sure. well, yeah the guy who uh the guy who produces them is Feldman. actually yeah is yeah. actually a singer and songwriter Gold, goldfinger, goldfinger yeah. and he's gone on to 
produced, you know, fairly huge bands for about the past 15 years. Yeah. I mean, or a little bit longer than that. Long, yeah, because, I mean, he did the first, like, five or six used albums. I don't think he did the very first used record. I think he did the second one. Did he? On. I think that's why I like the first Because <laughs> it has a more raw sound, but I yeah. think he did. I think he did every album they did after that. Uh-huh. Because he really took a liking to them as... I think they became close. And then he did yeah. later Atreyu albums when they started to get bigger. And then he really took under his wing, I know, um, Black Veil Brides. Or oh, did he really? Stuff. Yeah. Like oh, that's he, weird. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's like, he's actually gone across a lot of different genres. And if you actually look up his credits, like, he has worked on some albums that were very, very oh, successful. Really? Yeah, he's yeah. made a really good, that guy's probably made a, as much money as he made. And Goldfinger had some you know, big albums in the nineties. Right. But he's probably paid, made as much money or more. Oh yeah. For Especially sure. Especially from these two. Well, with well, these blank albums. albums yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, for sure. He's co see the thing is that bothers me is he's co credited on these for a lot of the songs. So I wonder how deep his influences is in each of the songs. Yeah. I mean, like the yeah, fourth, like the basically fourth member of blank, you know? Yeah. Um, do you, have you listened to the new album? I've listened to both of them. Um, I will say, I think that, first off, both of them are okay records. Like, it's not something, like, if I'm going to listen to Blink, I'm going to listen to actual Blink. Yeah, yeah, You know, but I don't think that they're bad for what they are. Here's my problem with the first one, is it feels like they were trying to make what a Blink record is supposed to be. Like, every song has the na-na-nas, every song is, like, upbeat and poppy. The thing that I think I prefer about this second album is it sounds like we're three guys who have been playing music together for a little bit, and now we kind of know what we're doing. I don't know if that makes the songs better or worse, but it feels more like what a band is and not Mm. what a cutout of, this is what a Blink song is, you know? Mm. I think... I like California more only because the standout songs on California, to me, are like significantly better than any of the standout songs on Nine, which is the new album. Right. And I also think Nine, they needed to rope some of the stuff in. Like, some of the songs Travis is playing on... Oh, yeah, it doesn't... He, yeah. <laughs> he takes away from the song... like. The beats are are amazing, but then you try to put a guitar and bass over it, and it's so jarring. Like it doesn't even sound like like it, it sounds wrong to your ears. Is that right? Like I mean, it doesn't oh, yeah. sound correct. It, it, like, it, like it, it, it was the same problem with neighborhoods, where mm. where like obviously Tom is playing like this space like Ghost on the Dance Floor and like mm. Natives come to mind, where mm. the guitar and the drums like do not match at all. I think he's playing like a weird time signature on the drums on. Natives, I really, really like. I really, really like neighborhoods and is like. I thought that was a direction that they always like because I'm a huge self-titled fan. It's probably now tied for my favorite Blank album. Actually, what's the other one? Dude Ranch, Dude Ranch, and self-titled. Okay, my yeah. I because I Dude actually, Dude Ranch is my favorite one. I really but. like the really early years, and I guess now the not the middle, but the kind of later middle years. I love. I'll call them the frat boy years, where that yeah. was like the American yeah. Fires. I like those. But I think the singles now, to me, are just so annoying. Like, I'm sorry. If I never hear all small things again, I would be blessed. Like, I just... I, it's a great song when you're in the right age. Right, but no, like now, I mean, like you said, you're 31, and it's, I mean, like, it's it like... It just doesn't... It doesn't... Even even what's my age again, I'm just like... It gets funny to hear, like, yeah. if I hear it, like, out. Because now, all of a sudden, 
all these songs are 20 years old and yeah. they're basically <laughs> classic rock to a certain generation. Like we have these emo nights and these things. Yeah. And it's like, it's like going out for, you know, prior generation and them listening to Freebird or Hotel California right, or yeah. something, you know, like, but nine has a, nine has some songs that if they scaled them back and like focused on maybe a little more songwriting together to me. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And I, I, I think they are like, now they're finding maybe the sound or a sound that they want to go to as like a band that if they're going to continue to be a band and write right. you know, new material, but they got a rope Travis in on some of yeah. these songs and way too many electronic drum parts. And I like that stuff on some, but it's like, <sighs> When the song goes from electronic drums to real drums, electronic, you know, back and forth, back and forth, I don't know. It's just, I have some disconnect with it. I don't know. Yeah. Because um, well, I, I haven't really been keeping up with it. What is, what's uh, Alkaline's new album like? Because I haven't, I haven't, li- I haven't listened. I haven't listened. It was incredible. Like, way better than I thought it was going to be. I like every single Alkaline Trio album. Um, I think that this one, this last one, is this thing cursed. I think it definitely had some sort of feels for people that liked maybe their, like, middle era to early era stuff. I mean, like, probably, like, uh, Familiar the Infirmary and um, Good Morning and stuff had a mm-hmm. little bit of that. Yeah. That I think people were missing, because uh, I think they started to get a little bit more... They started to play with a little bit more... I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Not New Wave, but a little bit of New Wave, but a little bit of... Uh, like eighties pop stuff and some of it, uh-huh. but it's good. I like. I don't know about you, but I love uh, this addiction, the album, and I love um, my shame is true, mm-hmm. the ones. But some people were hit or missing those. But I think the songwriting. I think that band has never had an actual like bad record. Like the songwriting's been yeah super consistent throughout. I mean, for Matt to be able to go right is this thing cursed. You should take it. You should listen yeah. to them. It's good. Yeah. It's a very good record, um, especially this time of year. They have, they brought back kind of some songs that like Sweet Vampires and just some stuff that, a little more horror-themed stuff, but really, really good songwriting, and it's, you hear that, and then I feel like Matt, I could be wrong, because I don't know anything, I'm just (laughs) the guy, but I feel like Matt definitely is just kind of going with the flow of, like, whatever's going on in Blink. Like, I feel like Mark might have a bass riff, and then Travis comes in, does the, just basically a drum fill or drum solo for an entire song and then Matt comes in and just plays a couple like picked out notes over it and then maybe a couple chords in a chorus and then like all right, yeah, let's edit that next song like that's how a lot of his songs the guitar on a lot of the songs are like it's not bad but I feel like it's just not it's missing something right and I mean even when even when it was with Tom like I know Mark did do a lot of the writing on the guitar as well. Mm. Um so really like I mean who knows how involved Matt really is in all of this. I mean and how much Feldman's involved. I mean cuz you can tell at least with that first album you can tell Feldman's like super involved cuz every song is like all right we got to have the catchy chorus, we got to have the na na nas, we got to have mm. like all this and honestly like some of it's like super dated now. Cause like there's that one I can't remember what like rabbit hole we're at the end. It's like whoa. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's, some of it's. I love that they want to do one fast song, like a really fast song on every record, but like, I mean, can they be good at least? Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Or an actual like, 
I don't know, because they have that, that song on the new album. It's like Ransom. That one's fast. That one's real. I actually but, really that, that's like That's a good Ransom. song. But yeah. the generational divide, I think. Is oh, that, yeah, that, that other one, yeah. That, but it's like just under a minute long, but Matt Skiba's vocals in the mix are turned oh, yeah. way up. Did you notice <laughs> yeah. that? Oh, yeah. You play it in a car, and the drums seriously sound like a patter, and his vocals are just yeah. like someone grabbing you and like screaming in your face. And I'm yeah. like... I'm like, you guys okayed this? <laughs> yeah. Especially because Mark's vocals are significantly lower in the mix. Oh, yeah. So it's just like, I'm like, were you guys drunk yeah. when you did this? Yeah. All of you? Just like recorded it, did it, done, out, <laughs> next one, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. When, uh, when, when I first listened to California, like when it came out, like they released like the first single or whatever, and like I was with Emily, and oh, I think it was the second, it was whatever one that Matt had like a significant like singing role in. And, like, we were listening to it, and Emily was just like, did he learn how to sing? Because, <laughs> like, I was like, no, 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 this is a different guy. And then that's how I introduced her to Alkaline Trio. Because, like, no, this guy was in a different band. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. I love the first single off California, Bored, Bored to Death. Bored to Death, yeah, yeah. I think that's a great song. Yeah. Like, I was really excited when I first heard that song. It does song like sound like them trying to make a newer era Blink song. Yeah. But I liked it, and the lyrics weren't that bad. Some of the other stuff, like, on the new album, dear lord, <laughs> the lyrics are bad. Oh, yeah. And that's another, like, they are, I mean, what's the one? Too Many Emo Days or something? Oh, it's like On Some Emo Shit. Or I On mean. Some Emo Shit, yeah. <laughs> the other one's hung Too Hung Over for this. Uh, I, I, I think it's just called Hung Over. Yeah, it's okay. like, I'm Still Hung Over You is, like, the chorus. Oh, maybe it, maybe it is Hung Over You. Yeah. I, either way, when I read the track list, I was just like, <laughs> "Holy shit!" The the funniest part is the 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 on some emo shit or whatever. The song's actually not bad. It's yeah. better than some of the other songs in the album, and that's it. Just suffers from a terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know we're probably we're gonna probably get off the subject here, but one last thing: the deluxe edition of California with all the bonus tracks, which I have not listened to. I've I've heard a couple songs. They're really really good. Like, the bonus tracks are really, really good. I think, and I haven't read up too much on it, but they wrote an entire album before California. Oh, really? As this Blink-182. Because it is like a, like a double album. Like, it's like... Because I know it's another, the, like, 12, 14 songs, Yeah, it's, you know? really, it's like 20-some songs, like, when you get a deluxe edition. Um, they wrote another album, and then, as they basically said, they were learning to play as a band together. Yeah. And then they kind of like shelved it, um, which is strange. To, it's not strange to me when because big bands do that, but at the same time, I know some of those songs have to be some of the bonus songs in California, and they're really good songs. Like I yeah. like the deluxe edition. You know, if they took out the weak songs on California, put in the deluxe edition songs, and then the good ones, they'd have a pretty banger like for what it is a pretty yeah. banger album um but instead we have like 25 songs and some are good and some aren't you know is is lost what's that one song the los angeles song is horrible the oh yeah that, that's on the actual los album <laughs> yeah <laughs> five minutes yeah and then it's got like the like almost like sounds like someone learning how to rap or do rap beats in the beginning of it it's oh yeah not yeah, the, yeah. Ugh, it's a bad song oh, yeah that song's bad yeah but Check out the deluxe edition. And the uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have album. to. But yeah. nine, I don't know. I agree that the singles aren't as strong, but I think that like overall, like front to back, it. 
I need to listen to it. Being fair enough, I need to listen to it a little bit more. Like, I have yeah. it. I have it on my phone. Um, I need to listen to it some more. I really like that. Was it Heart? Heart? No, Heart No More? Or not Heart No More. That's not the old. That's that, yeah, that's off Neighborhoods. No, um, the one that Skiba sings almost the entire song. One song, it's like, where it's almost no electronic stuff. And it's towards the end. It's like track 11 or 12. I can't remember the name of it. I, I think I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name that of it. That song... It bangs. That's a great. That's probably the best song on the album. And then I think Ransom's Ransom is right after that. So it's a good like one two. Yeah. The back half of the album is pretty strong. And then the first, the first, it takes once you get to like pin the grenade and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's where it starts to like pick up. I feel. I like the the first song. The the first time is what it's called or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, something like that. Uh, yeah. Then the album, the the singles, and a couple things after that. There's like. Four or five songs where I'm just like, I don't know, man. I'm like, (laughs) trying to like it, but the lyrics are so bad. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Cool. So we kind of got into like our music background a little bit. Um, But how did you sort of get into the horror stuff? Um, When, I'm going to take a sip of water because we're we're on the thing. So here we go. (laughs) It's not, I don't have any Stella with me, and Matt Damon's not returning my phone calls anymore. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh,. Horror was one of those things just, I just kind of discovered it as a kid. Like, I just stumbled onto stuff. Like, my parents worked a ton growing up, like, longer hours than most parents. Or, like, my mom worked second shift. So, like, uh-huh. I kind of spent a lot of time just doing my own thing. And my sister, too. And I just, I remember going to, like, what well, would have been Dairy Mart at the time and seeing, like, comics and stuff and the art is like a young kid and like one of the few things my parents would do if like went to the store then they'd let me get like one thing to read or one thing to like something just like with my mind you know what right I mean? they yeah. wouldn't buy me like dumb shit but if i wanted to read a comic or a magazine or something so i started at a young age getting stuff that like i thought looked co- just looked cool like in my brain like my brain like just gravitated to stuff right like 90s comics and some of the art and like some of the horror comics or like magazines and stuff. And I started reading the stuff at like a young age. And then of course, growing up in the early nineties, the reruns on TV were a lot of stuff from the seventies and eighties. Right. That they were able to get like yeah. TNT. I think I just talked, I thought maybe we talked about it after a podcast, me, you and Jared, but late like- night TNT growing up, had a lot of, like, a lot of John Carpenter, which was really, like, one of my first introductions into stuff. Right, yeah. Like, at a young, probably, like, I've always been a little more of a night person, so my parents were kind of at the age of, like, 11 and 12, let me stay up a little bit later Yeah. Um, on the weekends, and Saturday nights, like, TNT, like, I remember, I'll never forget the first time, like, distinctively turning on TNT in the middle of the thing. Mm-hmm. John Carpenter's the thing. I mean, everyone's right. going to assume that, but yeah. I'll, I'll throw it out there just yeah. for clarification. Yeah. And it was in the middle of them going into the, like the dog kennel. Yeah. When something's wrong. Right. And so it wasn't the start of the film, but it was a really good part to jump into it actually. Cause you kind of got immediately. <laughs> yeah. What you're like, what's going, going on? Yeah. You know, that's, well, that's really the first time you see anything. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, and it, well, and especially on that scale, like that was most grand scale. You know, you oh see yeah, stuff for sure. Passing or like maybe one creature, a little bit of tease thing, but like not a whole room of yeah. You know, but I remember seeing that at a young age and like 
that scene really sticks out because it goes for about five minutes before they actually even get into the dog kennel. You know, the got the crew's kind of all like whispering, like, "What did you see? What is this?" You know, the one guy's like, "Get the you know get the flamethrower." They get the flamethrowers, yeah. and you're like, "Man, you know, as a young kid, you're like flamethrower." You know, like even even in a lot of films I had seen. Hadn't really seen anyone mess around with a flamethrower, or like you know, at that age. And I'm yeah, like, right. I'm like, this has got to go off. <laughs> they open the dogs run out, and then you see like glimpses of just wild stuff, and you're like, oh my god, what's going on? And then they do the full reveal, and you know, if you're like, say I was like 11, your mind is going to be <laughs> blown, especially at the time when like, you know, CG wasn't a huge thing yet. Uh, video games were still like just getting out of the 16-bit era. I mean, right. there wasn't a lot of, like, you know, obviously the internet really wasn't a thing. So, like, there wasn't a lot of, like, media stuff that would show stuff on that scale, if that makes sense. So, like, you didn't, you weren't flooded with so much stuff. Right. So you see things at that age and, like, something that's just wild, like, beyond your wildest dreams. And you're just like, wow. Like, you know, you're like, <laughs> yeah. I was, like, hooked. I was, like... You know, I sat there the rest of the night and finished the film, went to bed. I remember waking up the next day as a kid and thinking about it because I've yeah. never, ever seen anything like that. Like, Star Wars, like, I would say Star Wars Episode Four, which used to be just called Star Wars, but yeah. now it's A New Hope, whatever. Um, that was one of the, I saw that at a really young age. Like, one of my first good friends, his dad was a huge Star Wars fan. So he put the VHS on and showed yeah. us. And I... The, like the most likely cantina scene like that was another thing i think that really got me because there were so many different creatures and there right. was all like horror-esque type yeah there's like a wolfman guy in yeah, there yeah people with fangs and like big heads you know but you know mangled faces and like anything that the that the mind can imagine and i think i was already like that was the most intriguing part of that even beyond the lightsabers i still remember yeah. like was really into the creature stuff. And, you know, so that was kind of an introduction into that. And I'll elaborate on this a little bit more. Uh, going to music and games that used to be, like, in, in, the, mall. in, the, in the Saber. No, when it was in the Saber Plaza. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. In the, mi- like in the yeah, middle, where it's like, like the corner. It's actually the corner of the thing. Yeah, we're like where the haircutting place is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Music and games... Uh, I used to go there as a kid when I would do like maybe stuff for my parents and have a little bit of extra money. And they used to have, they call it the rare movie section. It really <laughs> wasn't that. I mean, there was some cool, there were a couple cool, there were cool things behind it. But I remember looking behind the counter and I remember the first time I think I ever made, no, second time. Anyways, but <laughs> that I ever made $20 and I went behind the counter. It's probably, I think I was like 12 at this point. And they had Night of the Living Dead, and then next to it, they had American Werewolf in London. Right. And both had incredible covers. I still have this DVD copy of Night of the Living Dead. It's actually, it's it's the black and white version, but it's like the original DVD where the case is actually like, the whole case is solid plastic. You can't open the case at all. It has a black like clip on the bottom. You unclip it. And then pull and slide the clip out from under it, and the disc comes out almost like it's a, a like a DVD tray, like a right, yeah. kind of thing. And the cover art is like all these different crazy colors. Like I've never seen this version of it again. Jeez. And music, I still have it. I'll I've never, never even seen I'll, a DVD I'll, like that before. Yeah, I'll have to show it to you sometime. But it's, I remember seeing that cover, and as like, again as a kid, I was just like, yeah, whoa, you know, and yeah. like 
I'd seen a couple like older people have Night of the Living Dead shirts. Like I remember that. I think that's also why I was like, oh, you know, and they had like you know zombies on it. And yeah, it just, it just looked cool. I was like, right. I was like, whatever that is, that's pretty cool, you know. Yeah. And then American, I, I already liked werewolves. Like I started getting seeing some stuff on that. And I was like, I'd heard about American Werewolf in London from reading. I mean, I was just young. I don't always gravitated towards. So I bought both of them. And I watched both of them the same day, and then that was just kind of yeah. <laughs> I, I was you know, I was done. I mean, yeah, I was, I was, I was in. You know, yeah. I mean, that was. But that those were like a few other key moments, but definitely seeing those three, and those are still three of my favorite films of all time. Like, yeah, basically top ten. Honestly, all three of them. Like, so I kind of just I was sucked in. You know, was uh when you watched the thing was that sort of like the post Monster Vision era. Or was was Joe Bob on it, or, the, okay. or do you not know? So, I don't remember. I think this was probably post that because I would have been because this would have been like two thousand ish. No, I saw it before that. I was born. I was probably it was probably close. To, it was probably like ninety between ninety eight and two thousand. Gotcha. I would say. So so Monster Vision might have still been on. Might have been it. Obviously, it's hard to remember. That. Yeah. That was a long time yeah. Oh ago. yeah, for sure. But um, but yeah, but still, TNT always TNT had really good stuff on late night. Oh as yeah. A kid. I mean, they really did kind of that channel. Definitely at night was more for like, I would say, working class male adults. I mean, it yeah. was John Carpenter films. So I saw right. a lot of John Carpenter films, eighties action stuff. Um, any you know anything like that? You know, I mean, yeah. Same with AMC. I remember getting when we get finally got AMC and cable, and then I saw Halloween two for the first time. Which I actually saw Halloween two before I saw Halloween one, and I was obsessed with Halloween two for a while. Oh, yeah. for, for years, I was like really, really obsessed with that film. I still think it's the second best one yeah. out of all, like even including the new one. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I think I think Halloween two. I I put a list that I wanted to put on Letterboxd, but I didn't. You know, you just things you just bored and you write yeah, down. Right. It's yeah. like best horror sequels ever, and I made like a top ten. And I mean, Halloween two. Can you really not say it's not a perfect horror sequel? It takes everything, for the most part. You know, especially think about this. Horror sequels a lot of times are made a year to two years after. That was, was made way like later. Three, um, three to three and a half years after the original Halloween. Yeah. And the original Halloween stopped shooting a year before that, so this was almost like four to five years later. Halloween two comes out, right? And looks, feels, the stories like to me is a perfect because it was smart. It could see the same night, yeah. Like it's just a it happens su- right then. Super yeah. smart. Like a lot of horror films, excuse me, at the time had not really done that yet. As dumb as that sounds, yeah. They're like, oh, you want a sequel? It's not going to take place a year later, a month later. No, it's right then. Then like. Five minutes later, you're right back into it, you know? Yeah. You said, obviously, you were interested in the creatures. And mm-hmm. I, like, the thing, like, out of all the films that could have introduced you to horror, like, effects and stuff, that was probably the best one you could have seen. Seen, no, I agree. Still, I mean, it, uh, Rob Bottin doing all that coke and meth in the, <laughs> in, the, in the Arctic, making these monsters, staying up, the effects stars in that, stayed up for days on end. All he did was do drugs and just work for days. Oh, yeah, I, I'd effects. imagine. Yeah. I mean, and that's also why I think they look so incredible because the dude was on was already insanely talented as, as a, and, like, you know, a visionary at the time. I mean, at a very, very young age. He was Rick Baker's, you know, apprentice right. before that. Um, so insane amounts of talent. And then sleep deprivation and drugs. 
and you're in a, and you're in an isolated environment. Oh like yeah, a super isolated yeah. environment. So I mean, I'm sh- I can't even <laughs> imagine the stuff that he probably even thought of. He didn't even have time to make. Right. Um, do you? Because I know this is a popular opinion on the internet, and I don't necessarily think I agree. People say that the effects in that sort of make it. Like, I don't want to say too good, but the effects sort of overshadow everything else. Do you, do you, do you sort of feel that way? Or? I, I don't think so, only because it's... Not only because, but it is a John Carpenter film. It's got an incredible ensemble cast, which I think that something that modern horror, and even sci-fi, really, in the modern era, really lacks. is like a really good... Why I'm investing that too is because the whole group of guys and the stuff that they're going through, they all fit certain like necessary roles for me, like a comic role, a serious role, an asshole role, you know, uh, the scientist role. You know, I'm, you know <laughs> yeah, Wilford Brimley's uh, in like there. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the the average guy role, the scared, like the chicken shit guy. Like as soon as stuff hits the fan, like you know, he's, yeah. he's losing it, and like. You know, then you have the main heroic character who, you know, a little bit of an anti-hero, you know, oh, yeah. not, doesn't necessarily want to be in this role, but realizes he, you know, he wants to survive or wants to figure it out. You know, it just, it has all the, like, ingredients and elements to just, like, really good characters. Um, the the direction is obviously peak John Carpenter for the most part. I mean, he's yeah. literally on top of his game yeah. in, in everything. I think... I don't know. Maybe, maybe new generations feel that way that the effects overshadow it, but I really think it. You know, there's so many other strong elements. Right. That whole film to me is just strong, strong. Like basically for me, like basically perfect for me. Yeah. Um. I'm sure if you know, I'm not a film student. Like you know, maybe there's some bad shots, bad editing, bad whatever. <laughs> I have a little bit of an eye for that, just watching stuff and reading stuff, but. I mean, he has some incredible long shots. I think the edits are good. He shows you what he needs to show you. He also pulls back when he doesn't. Like, he just gives you little glimpses of things to keep you interested. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I'll say this doesn't blow his load too early. Yeah. Uh, it keeps you invested. And the character, I mean, you know, you're trying to figure out who who's a thing and who's not. Yeah. Which is a one of the best elements of the film too i think yeah. personally you know? yeah so it's like part mystery almost it is it yeah. is like it's like it's not a who done it but kind of right. i mean you're kind of like you're wondering where cuz you don't know when it where when it's going to strike and who yeah. who it is and they're all strapped to the, the that thing. scene's incredible yeah. when they're just like we're going to see who you know who's yeah. infected right now and you're waiting that's very <laughs> suspenseful cuz you're waiting cuz well, i saw it at a young age so i wasn't used to all the exact stereotypes and you know tropes of or tropes of Oh, the last guy's the the one who's gonna get it, or that you know you don't know if it's gonna be the first guy that's gonna be yeah. the thing, or you know stuff that you start to see patterns and storytelling and stuff like that. Uh, so you see at a young age, you're just like, yeah, which one is is one of them gonna be? What if none of them's it? Or you know, yeah, or, you know, I mean, it's just good, really good scene, right? Was that one of the? I, I mean, obviously, it probably is. Is that one of the key things that made you want to do effects and makeup and stuff? Uh, yes. But I didn't know that until much later. Uh, I, I mean, I only got... I only started doing... I wish I would have started doing special effects at a younger age. It's one of those things where I'd like... 
I was just getting through life and through school and things, right. and I wish I would have dedicated more time into doing something like that or hobbies. But coming into Fresh Tabula, like, really, if you didn't like sports or you didn't whatever, like you, I don't know, there really wasn't a lot of outlet for stuff like that, and you right. really didn't know anyone that did stuff like that. Like there wasn't, yeah, even for me, like I didn't know like any teachers or any mentors or anything that was like, hey, you think all these makeup films and stuff, all this stuff's cool, like, yeah. kind of, I don't want to say guide you, but, like, you know how it is, with the sports right. teams and coaches, they guide you, they might mentor you or get yeah. you into some other stuff like that, or groups, or, like, nowadays, you just go on Facebook, and it's like, this event does this, or this, yeah. you can find all these little, right. like, yeah. niche, like, different groups and events and things that can, like, you know, further your interests. Like, as a kid in Ashtabula... First of all, I didn't know almost anyone that was into horror movies or like that was outright right. like into it. Yeah. I didn't know anyone that did any kind of makeup effects. There were no haunted houses. I mean, mm-hmm. there were all these things like I just kind of like it didn't. Right. I didn't I just focused on being a kid. I didn't have the right, you know, tools, the right mindset. My parents weren't into any of the stuff at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, so I mean, it was like I, I wish that I would have started messing around at a young age because if you can hone some of those skills at a young age, right. just like yeah. with anything. Yeah. You learn you learn better or you develop more of a natural talent where, you know, I started doing this stuff in my early twenties and that, you know, it was a lot harder to learn certain right. things or do things or whatever. But I mean one day I was just reading through magazines, Fangoria and every every other thing when I was living in Maryland and I was just sitting there and I was just like, you know, thinking and looking at some of these different makeup schools, there were different ads, you know, not just the one that I went to. And I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm watching something that had great effects on the screen, yeah. and I was like, I was like, eh, maybe, you know, I thought about it in the past a couple times, but, like, I didn't really research yeah. it. And it just kept reoccurring, you know, certain, like, things, like, reoccurring, things keep showing up, and I'm like, man, maybe I should have messed around with makeup or sculpting or yeah. doing things like that or, like, things with my hands. And then finally I just said one day, like, I was like, I'm just going to try this, you know, like I wasn't, I hadn't gone to college yet and I was like waiting cause I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was working. I was like, well, I've always been able to find work. I've always been like motive, very motivated when I put my mind to something. I was like, why don't I just give this a shot? You yeah. know, like it seemed to be like, I looked like everything right. you said, all my favorite films, super special effects heavy. Yeah. All practical. I mean, alien aliens, you know, the thing, American world from London, all of George A. Romero's, you know, dead series, a lot of his other, I love all, I really love, he's one of my favorite filmmakers, him, John, all John Carpenter's stuff. I right. I mean, it's all effects, 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 and I'm just like, I was always drawn to that, and I'm like, it started to click, it just clicked it, for me, a little bit too late of an age. I wish yeah. it would have, I yeah. probably would have been able to do more, or, you know. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same, I mean, similar, like, with my directing and stuff, I mean, like, when I was a kid, I'd always, like, grab all the neighborhood kids and, like, make movies and stuff, mm. but then when you, like, get into high school, like, you tell people, like, oh, yeah, I, like... I make movies or whatever, they're like, what the hell are you talking about? And stuff like that. Like, there's no real, like, outlet for it. And, I mean, even when I went into college, it just so happened. And, like, I didn't even know until almost my junior year. It just so happened that they had some sort of film program that I could get into. So, yeah, like, I, w- like, I mean, I'm sure everyone has that thing. Where it's like, oh, if only I did this. Like, you know what I mean? But mm. back then, like, as you said... Especially with you and me as well. Like, the internet, I don't want to say it was in its infancy, but it's not what it is now, you know? No, I mean, I didn't... There weren't... I mean, really, until... 
shit, really almost like 2010, 2011, which I was in college then, like, a lot of people didn't, smartphones weren't really a thing, there wasn't great internet on all the phones, I mean, I remember being in my last semester of special effects school, and a girl came in with her reference photos on an iPad, Mm -hmm. and that was like the first iPads, Yeah, and I was just like, she was just, you know, blasting through stuff, and moving stuff, and like, I was just like, you know, I mean, obviously it used all sorts of computers, but to still like, just to have like a tablet or like references of like that yeah, good quality like stuff right. that quick. I mean, yeah, kids don't understand how hard it was to try to find stuff like that. Oh yeah. Or like trying to print photos off of like a public computer and they didn't have a color printer or they didn't have this or like, you know, like it, or you just didn't have the internet at your fingertips all the time, you know, yeah. or, you know, now, now I don't want to say it sounds stupid. It sounds, this makes it sound old as hell. Yeah, we sound like but very like old. Bitching but, about the kids these days. But, but it's weird because like we're in, like our generation is the one that sort of has like the pre-internet age and now. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I didn't see a computer until like what? I was in like second grade maybe. I didn't know what a computer was, you know? Yeah. But now like in kindergarten and stuff, all the students have a Chromebook like mm. assigned to them through and they have it until they graduate, you know? It's crazy. So, like, it's, it's, and nowadays, it's just weird. Nowadays, it's like, it's almost, like, I went to the mall yesterday, and I'll go to the mall very often, but it's almost cool to be a nerd. That sounds so old. <laughs> it's the lamest shit I've ever said. But you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Like you go in the mall, oh, yeah. and there's all sorts of, like, pop culture stores or, like, yeah. little, like, nerdy outlet things like yeah. that. Like, when I was a kid, Hot Topic didn't even exist in the mall. Like, there was right. nothing. The only thing that you went to is you went to maybe, like, we had a, a video store or, like, a comic book shop. Yeah. And those were your only outlets for anything like that. We had a Spencer's in our mall, but my parents didn't let me go in there. <laughs> so I used, to, I used to work at Spencer's, actually. Oh, did you? Really? I worked at that Spencer's for a little bit in high school. But even then, like, Spencer's had, like... A couple corners of cool stuff. Yeah. A lot of their stuff, now they're more, like, pop, from what I've heard, like, more pop culture stuff and more right. stuff like that. They had, the one in Nashville maybe had, like, 15 band tees and, like, a couple, of, like, horror action figures in the corner. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then otherwise it was selling dildos to old ladies and yeah. business women. I mean, honestly, or shot glasses or, you know. But that was about it. That was, like, your, you, maybe you'd have the thing where they had, like, the uh, McFarlane horror figures <laughs> or, like, the... Yeah. Um, what legends of horror cinema action? You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, stuff they have the like nightmare that. Out, you know, yeah, all that stuff. Like, but you know, I mean, yeah, it's great to start an action figure and watch. But you can watch the reruns of the stuff on TV. But like, there wasn't really a way to get like deeper into stuff. You know, right? Um. So, what made you decide on the? Because you went to the Savini School, right? That's what, correct. what made you, how, how involved was he? <laughs> In this, because I'm assuming that was sort of like a draw to going there, right? It, it was a draw. The location was a draw because, you know, we're fortunate where we live. I mean, Cleveland's a little over two hours from Pittsburgh. Ashtabula, just because you go, it's farther north, but you, you it's know, about, about the same hours, time, yeah. two hours to Pittsburgh. So the school is about 45 minutes south of Pittsburgh. It's in the Mon Valley. It's in a very the. Rust Belt doesn't even begin to describe an area. <laughs> uh, very, de- like, you know, depressed area, um, depreciated area. I mean, I lived in each... It's on the 
the Monongahela River, which goes up to Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. So it's like almost like the asshole of everything coming down <laughs> from Pittsburgh. But anyways, uh, I lived in... Just, every city is different on each side of the river. Like, uh-huh. you see, you look across that, that's a different city, you know, so gotcha. on and so forth. But I lived in one on each side of the river. I lived in the one where the school was for a little bit. And the road next to me was all white boxes. They All the homes were abandoned. Uh-huh. And they just put up giant white boards. So you just walked... And you saw white box after white box. Jeez. It looked like something in like, it would just looked like in some of those like weird, almost like art school horror films, <laughs> oh, that, yeah. like weird imagery. You saw that, like, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I know yeah. what you're saying. Or yeah. like flashes of stuff. Like you just didn't feel like you were living some, not even, not in America because it looked, but you know what I mean? It was just, it was weird. Very strange. Yeah. It's like post-apocalyptic for sure, but it was almost like very art chic post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Very, it was very, very strange. I don't even know how to describe it properly, but, um, you know, so Savini went down there and basically revamped the town, mm-hmm. the one town that it's in, because there was already a school there, the Douglas Education Center. It's part of a bigger school, and the school owns different buildings throughout the city gotcha. that actually make up the campus overall. Okay, yeah. Um, they have a media makeup school and haircutting school. My ex at the time was in that. Um, they had like numerous music video like ha- hairstylists and stuff actually worked there yeah. as teachers and stuff and has a small business has a small like some sort of healthcare program you know typical yeah like, stuff. it has a, yeah. but it has a great film school the film school there is actually incredible um, I tried to get a couple people to go down there to go to that because green screen rooms you used to have twenty four hour access to this like if you're yeah. in a film right program. yeah so that's like, how my school was okay yeah. yeah yeah but I mean great and the guy that actually ran that used to be, like, a huge commercial and, like, music video director, too. Like, mm-hmm. I forget his name, but credits on top of credit. You know, yeah, he's a very, right. you know, well-respected, seasoned, uh, working filmmaker. Um, they had a beautiful private theater, which, thankfully, one of my makeup teachers and I got to, like, do Monday night film screenings. Oh, so yeah. I got to, like, as I got to know him better, I got to plan out stuff. Yeah. So I got to see every. I mean, I already <laughs> go to films, but I mean, I saw everything in theaters. Everything from The Shining to Day of the Dead to you know, every kind of crazy, even like drama films. Every anything right. was like makeup heavy. I mean, we saw everything. But location was great. Obviously, not too far from home. Easy to get back right. and forth. Yeah. I, I mean, the housing down there was. They're giving it away. Yeah, <laughs> I had a duplex for three hundred seventy-five dollars a month. Jesus, <laughs> and it was actually decent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was a decent place. I mean, I lived on the side of a mountain, so I had to park like this. No, yeah. gra- you know, it was like a, kind of not great in the winter, but for the price, you know. Yeah, whatever. you gotta but do. What you gotta do. Yeah, it was cool. I know I'm the long, long answer, but I'm trying to give people kind of a feeling of like where this post-apocalyptic asshole of Pittsburgh why did he choose is. there? I think. I think because it already had existing... See, he needed somewhere that I think had credentials because it was already an existing school. Gotcha. Kind of saved him right. trying to figure out how to be an official college because I actually have a degree. It's not just like a yeah. trade school. I actually yeah. have a college degree, which I think is what he was looking for. Right. So um, the building's incredible. I mean, like the, the school is like a three... three it's like fourth floor, but... Basically, three working floors, school, I mean, mm-hmm. lots of workshops, lots of space, um, any kind of materials, you know, obviously in the tuition, I, it wasn't cheap, so, you yeah. know, yeah, you, yeah. Got, you got everything, but Savini, you know, I was there for a couple years, 
I saw him like three times. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no... He does an introduction for every class. Uh, he's there for most of the graduations, unless his, like, schedules... You're right. You know, whatever. Um, he comes into school once in a while and just walks around, critiques whatever people are working on. You know, the guy who's actually the head of the school is actually one of his best friends, and a special, oh, really? and a, a, like, a big makeup artist, too, who's, like, like worked on every kind of TV show in the 90s, like, when mm-hmm. it was all effects, I'd be like, Babylon 5, X-Files, Buffy, like, the guy's right. done, you know, any any TV show that had makeup in the 90s, um, Jerry Gurgley's his name, by the way, you can look him up, he's, you know, he's worked on a lot of stuff, um, he actually worked on, did we talk about this once? Flesh Eater, did you see Flesh Eater with, uh, Bill Heinzman, the zombie movie he made, wrote and directed? I've not seen it. No, oh. I'm I'm familiar. I'm aware okay. of it, but I have not. It's seen super it. entertaining. Honestly, yeah. Jared, I think has it on DVD. I thought oh, maybe really? you'd watched it with him because I know he watched it with someone else besides me. But Jerry Gurley did as a favor to Bill Heinzman because they're friends. Uh-huh. I mean, he's paid, but yeah. he did all the effects for this. He he talked. He would tell stories about. You know, he's on the DVD special features. Like actually yeah. interviewed and stuff because. He was, he, the guy wanted effects out the ass. I mean, he was like pouring full, he wanted full bodies in all these scenes. Oh, really? Like, yeah. And, and like, it was like him and a couple other people, I think, that just cranking out stuff. But yeah, it's a very Pittsburgh ass film. But, anyways, Jerry Gurley, great. He was a great teacher. Great. He was my sculpting teacher. He was a great sculptor. Um, but he would, you know, that guy was there every day. So he was more really honestly right. the core of the school. Yeah. It was like to me, it's like, oh, here's my best friend. Well, well he, has, he has the name value. Yeah, he right. brings in that. And then, but all the teachers there worked on, I mean, were extremely successful working special right. effects artists. I mean, my uh, molding teacher, um, Sean Ronzio, who I'm still talk to some. Sean, you're not going to hear this, but I love you. You're great. <laughs> Our Star Wars talks were incredible. He's obsessed with Fallout. He actually has a Fallout, um, like, fan films. Oh, really? Like, has all sorts of props, full suits. Does He actually owns a now. He owns a small special effects studio um, east of Pittsburgh. Like, kind of southeast of Monroeville, like, 20 minutes away. Oh, okay. In, like, this beautiful mountain town. I went and saw it a couple years ago. He bought this old, like, three-story brick building. Mm-hmm. Place is, like, a special effects masterpiece. Oh, yeah. With giant <laughs> monsters, props, like, everything. Um... He worked on, you know, Spider-Man 2 was his biggest thing that he oh, did. Really? And um, Cabin Fever okay. and stuff yeah. like that. So he went out to he went out to Hollywood, like, right as, like, you know, the kind of like splatter pack that came up in the early 2000s, which was, like, uh, Roth, Zombie, some of those guys. Um, I always say his name wrong, but I love him. Alexander Aha. Is it Aha or is it Aja? I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah. Okay, I'm not French. Sorry. <laughs> High Tension's one of my favorite uh-huh. films of all times to base. Yeah. All those guys were coming up and like rebringing effects. And so right. he was lucky that he got to like work on that. He worked on House of Thousand Corpses. Like he just yeah. like got there right at the right yeah, time right. and like just, you know, went yeah. and did that. Um, and they're all from the Pittsburgh. All these guys are from Pittsburgh area. Oh, yeah. So it's cool that they, like, went and made names themselves, too, and then... Came back. Came back. My makeup teacher was from California. He's an old California punk, Chris Patrick. Still, I talk to him regularly, too. Um, amazing guy. Great guy, because he also was there for 80s punk. So, like... Yeah. You know, him and I got along right. really well. Um, but he worked on... He was in the makeup arts union, so when Pittsburgh had all those tax credits... He right. was working on everything. Everything, yeah. Like, he worked on Super 8 when it was in West Virginia. 
he like laid beards all day, beards and facial <laughs> hair, and like. But he worked on I don't know what else was there. What was the what was the one that what was the one that what's her face uh, Emma from Harry Potter worked on. Uh, the, she was. I want to say the fault. It's not the fault in your stars. That was the other one. Just like ah. Uh, the one with that Ezra guy, too. You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. It was based after that young adult novel. I actually drove right next to them when they were filming it. Like, they were filming a scene when they were going through Pittsburgh, and I was coming back from a show, and there was, like, a detour, <laughs> and I saw them, like, they had the truck, like, on the, on oh, the yeah. thing, and they were like, I was like, oh, oh cool, you know? I can't remember the fuck that did that. The now. girl from Harry Potter and Ezra? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm having, yeah, I'm having a... What's that guy's name? He was the Flash. He was the Flash in Justice League. Ezra is Ezra. I don't know. I can't think. Anyways, I don't watch comic book movies. Okay, my my sorry, internet. My brain's rotten. I've seen way too many things. I can't remember all of it. <laughs> but anyways, all the teachers claimed great, awesome human beings. Uh, school was great. Um, I was going through a lot at the time with relationships and other things in my life, you know. And I was the first year I was there, I didn't work. Because I took out enough loans. Second year, I right. worked. Working and going to that school is nearly impossible because of how detailed the projects are. I mean, oh, yeah. my classes were like five to seven hours long. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you stay, if you have to work after, do anything, and then go to work, you know, you're on like ten to fourteen hour days. Right. And it just was too. I wish I would have found a way. To not, to have, not to have to work, just because the school was so intensive. Right. Like, I did okay, I got good grades, but I know I could have utilized. That's a that's a regret, that you not utilizing the school, like, how I would have liked to. Right. Did you have to, like, take, like, tests and stuff, or, like, was it all, like, project-based? Or, like, did you have to, like, read and do stuff, or? It was a little of both. For it to be an actual accredited school, you had to have at least one general education course a semester. Mm-hmm. So they were all geared towards, um, like, something with special effects, like uh, anatomy or something. Oh, gotcha. Because, yeah, there you like, go. Uh, yeah, I mean, like that, that fits. And, yeah. like, anthropology. Or uh, m- my final semester, we had a, a business course, but it was geared towards how to represent yourself in, like, like the market, like as, right. as, like, yeah. a, as like an artist, you know. What so I mean? it's actually like useful. It's it not very, like, yeah, yeah. Honestly, the 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 general education courses were phenomenal. Like, I mean, it's a good. It was a good, well put together program for the time you're there. Um, it's it prepares you for going yeah. out there and doing it, but I can't say you don't need more time. I mean, I left right. when I graduated. I felt like I was just getting a good grasp on things, barely. Like I just. Well, that's how I, I felt when I graduated too. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's like. You're not there long enough. You know, you really do need, like, I was like, man, if I got an extra year or uh, anything, you know, I mean, you just, you need more time. And it is like, because most people are from all over the country, the week after you graduate, everyone who's not, who's living in the housing there has to leave. Right. So it was like, I mean, obviously it's in most places, but like, you know, a lot of these people you might never see again just because they're not from, I mean, I guess that's with other college too, but like a lot of these People, you know, are, like, from everywhere, like, even right. other countries and stuff yeah. like that. And the school's small, so you kind of know everyone a little bit. Yeah. So it was, like, I mean, my class was, like, a big class, and there were 60 people in it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the average class had, like, 20 to 35. Yeah. And then the big ones would be, like, right. That. So, I mean, it was kind of, like, you kind of had, like, 
even if you didn't like each other. Yeah. Because there was a lot of that. <laughs> that school was more like high school than high school, let me tell you. Was but, there a lot of, like, pretentious people there? Yeah. Yeah. Especially the one, you know, as you go on and you see these people develop skills and the ones are obviously mm-hmm. more naturally talented. Yeah. Yeah, and some of them are assholes and assholes to people that weren't. It sucked. Like, there were a lot of times where I was just like, God, these people fucking suck. Dude. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be here. But... Yeah. Um, that is what it is. It is what know? it is. So you kind of, you mentioned this, so you, like you kind of learn a little bit of everything, like you learn the makeup, you learn the sculpting, because I, I, I think I saw at the time you were posting like a Belial you were working on or something. I have, that's still, that's my uh, my unfinished masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, It's very rough, I hate the mouth on it. I actually have it sitting in my basement about five minutes from where we are sitting right now yeah. <laughs> uh, on a table that's like as big as this. Um and I actually bought a couple of years ago another forty pounds of clay mm-hmm. to finish it, and I have not yet finished it. Um, part of it just because you know how life is, yeah. Uh, but I have everything to finish it. Uh, I just haven't done that yet. Yeah, which I'll admit that in the air. Maybe this will give me a reason to. I've been wanting to, to do to finish it, it. Yeah, but it's a just getting it to where it was, getting like the the because underneath I had to build like what, what they'd say like an armature. So if it was solid clay, it would be 500 pounds. It's, all, right. it's already on a countertop like this, yeah. mounted. Right. But just picking that thing up is like yeah. almost 100 pounds right now. Yeah. So it's like just building that, you know, underbody, you know, skeleton, whatever, um, was time consuming enough. Because yeah. I tried to kind of block the shapes out yeah. to get there. Yeah. Uh, and then layering all that damn clay. And then yeah. starting to put just basic facial forms and stuff. But I do want to mold that and do that one yeah. day. That's going to be... I'm going to do that. It just might take another few years. Yeah. So, so, you de- so do you prefer doing the makeup better then? Or um, like, what, like what, is, what is your favorite thing about doing it? And what are you the best at doing, I guess? You know... Another reason I didn't go out to California is probably because I'm, I'd be a shop guy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd, I'm not good enough at makeup, just admitting that, to be like an on-set makeup artist, you know? Um, I can do haunted, very good haunted house makeup all day. I mean, I, yeah. I worked, I worked in a haunted house for a few seasons, and I actually worked behind the scenes and built props, repaired a lot of props, repaired a lot of sets that were messed up, um... I can do that stuff all day, you know, like, but film quality makeup, I mean, you have to have probably a little bit better of an eye than I have or a more trained eye, which would come in time. But once you get out of school, I mean, I can't be doing makeup seven days a week. I don't have the time or the money. I mean, the amount of money that I've even sunk in, like some of those projects, Blyle, stuff like that. I mean, hundreds of dollars in clay. I had one a slime monster that I have a silicone mold for in my garage right now that yeah. I sculpted a few years ago out of like it was a like a quicker clay it was like it was a clay that had to be wet constantly. Yeah. So I had to sculpt it. It was basically smooth forms with dripping slime. It's like it, things about like this big. And the clay, the silicone, the stone jacket cuz silicone's rubber, it's soft so you need something to, when you go to mold it like a hard backing. 
I mean, that was five, six hundred dollars minimum yeah. right there. I mean, so every project you do, right, you're out of school. All of a sudden, you can't spend a hundred on makeup here, three hundred on this here. You know, and at the school, it's all there. It's know? all there, or you have it included, or you have enough supplies. But if you're not, it's an expensive hobby if you're not doing yeah, it daily. I mean, right, it's not. It's just you know, I'm probably I was a very good mold maker, which I make dentures now. By the way, that's what I do, which is a realistic job that when right. I was in school, they said that, you know, that we could go after because I work with stone and plasters, you know, I carve teeth, I carve this, I carve stuff out of wax, which is similar to clay. I mean, right. all the fundamentals just into a different aspect. Right. Um, and I actually love doing that. That's why I've been doing it now for almost six years, but, um, very good mold making always what they say poles or things like when I was making masks or doing fiberglass yeah. All my stuff came out immaculate. I I like, it's not as creative as some parts of it, but it's very, I don't want to say it's relaxing, but it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? You get you It's kinda, more laid back. Yeah, I like doing that. Um, I do like sculpting, Halloween masks primarily. Like, I really like sculpting Halloween masks. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, I did that a lot in school. I like doing, you know, quick, gory makeups, basic stuff yeah. like that. I mean, that's just, but probably... Probably the sculpting and the mold making aspect. I really actually liked life casting, taking oh, yeah. like alginate, right. yeah. you know, it's like that, yeah. and doing stuff like that. But you know, the average life caster, like they have things like that. Like I went out to California and I knew a girl that was life casting at one of the, you know, best special effects places in California. Uh-huh. You know, I was already making more money than her doing dental stuff. I mean, I mean, you know, significantly more. Yeah. I mean, some of these positions out in California, they're still only making like. A few dollars above minimum wage out there. Yeah, and then which, plus you got to live in California. California, I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, it's yeah. so it's it it takes you a really long. You have to have a lot of luck, a lot of skill, or you have to grind for a lot of years. Yeah, being dirt broke, right? In California, uh, praying your car doesn't break down so you can get the yeah. set. Because if you out there, if you miss a day, if you miss, oh a yeah, you're days, gone, you're, you're gone, you're, you're toasted. So On to the next very, one. Yeah, because there's a million other people trying to do what you're doing. Yeah, it's very. Uh, That's why I never even tried to go out there yeah, for anything. You know, yeah, you know, I hung out at some special effects houses and stuff when I was out there, and it was just like, it was just like college. You know, oh, yeah. shit everywhere, booze everywhere. Yeah, a little bit of other stuff everywhere. If any, you know, it just wasn't. I was like, I was like, no wonder why, like. The guys, like a lot of my teachers, went out there till they're about forty, and then they're like, "Okay, now I have to figure something else out or yeah. get hired at the school or whatever." Because there isn't really for seventy five percent of the people in this industry, the most talented ones too. There's no end game. Yeah, you're just going until the wheels fall off. Right, and then what do you do? You know, I don't know. It's it's great. Like I've had a lot of good experience. I've worked on set a, like a dozen times. I was going to ask, what's some of the stuff that you've been a part of? Um, I did, the first thing I did is we did a collaboration um, with the school that we did a sci-fi film um, between the film school and then uh, the makeup school. Uh, What was it called off the top of my head now? I keep wanting to say it was Legend, but it wasn't. (laughs) But it was, was, I'm not going to, it's on the internet. Uh, I forget what it's called. I have to go. That sounds horrible, but honestly, the sets and stuff look great, but it wasn't very good. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of just pretend. Yeah. Right. 
But I built props on that for like a month. Um, this was like right after, right after graduation, right before I started working on like a few things, like paid gigs and other things while I was in my last semester. Like I was yeah. getting some work already. Um, the school did help with that. You know, they let some of the like the uh, more experienced. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, on that, I remember there was a guy in a throne in the opening scene. It was like a spaceship. Oh, really? <laughs> and they didn't have any set hands that day for like the film school. So me and another guy were opening like they have scenes with giant opening doors and stuff. Yeah. They were on rigs. So we were opening doors. We had to get on the ground and slowly spin this throne around. Gotcha. Probably like. 15 times literally laying it like slowly i yeah. i remember like i was just like please let this be it please so you were kind of just like a grip like you were yeah, really, you were really yeah. doing any yeah. like effects uh, or anything well sort of i built the prop like I oh built, well, you built it but i then built you were the using props it. Gotcha. and then when i was on set for gotcha. that gotcha. i did that so yeah i built like like most of it was set in the inside of a spaceship so like i painted a bunch of the stuff i i did a bunch of the fiberglass stuff i mm-hmm. put parts together and stuff so i actually did do a lot of work yeah there was like I think 15 of us that did all, like most yeah. of that. Um, I did one that actually came out last year, finally, years <laughs> later. Uh, That's how it goes. Had, yeah. had an L.A. premiere uh, at a film festival and actually won an award. Um, one of the guys who was the makeup lead on it actually sent me the certificate, like a photo of the certificate yeah. last year out of the blue. And yeah. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. It's called The Fifth Dimension. Um, the director, I forget his name, he was... Typical, some actor that had acted in a few <laughs> things just wanted to try his hand, you know. And yeah, it was like right in the slums of Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, in an abandoned train station. All right, and it was yeah. supposed to be about like uh, you know time travel and like time loops and things like that. And yeah. then like there were random creatures that were brought back through. And right, I was on set for that for about a week. I did. Um, they had like corpses and stuff, or like body bagged corpses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I did a few of those and then like assisted with like a couple other things. Yeah. Um, I did a uh, stretch and stipple, which is like an old age makeup. They used it yeah. in the exorcist is probably one of the most famous yeah. scene, you right. know, famous films that really pioneered that Dick Smith, legendary makeup artist. Um, I did one of those. I actually did all the stretch and stipple, which is like cotton and latex and stuff like that. Yeah. Builds. For old age makeup, that's what it is for anyone out there. And then I had another woman came in and did the makeup. We kind of tag teamed it. Um, That was great. I guess that's out there for you somewhere. (laughs) Somewhere, yeah. I don't... You know how it is. It's it's floating. Like, I've looked up trailers. I've seen some. Some are bad, you know. It's out there somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if it's on demand anywhere or anything like that. Um, Because, like, I've worked on stuff, too, where, like, you do it and then you don't hear anything for a while and then you don't know if it gets released or not and then if it does you're like oh well how do i see it and it's like oh it's on this indie wire streaming service thing yeah. it was like what it was like what is i don't even know what that is it's i worked on a couple other things i worked on this guy was a filmmaker and we came out to pa to do accounting for an oil company for a year okay he's burned out on la and i met him we did like he wanted to do like a PSA web series like funny things one was Uh like knife violence or something right so we went out into the middle of nowhere Pennsylvania campgrounds we did this this one day some hillbilly came out of the woods (laughs) brought the actors moonshine some of the actors drank moonshine on set uh, which uh, only in Pennsylvania well probably not but you know what I mean Um, we had prop nights knives 
but one of the guys used a real knife in a scene, and it wasn't dulled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we're trying to do makeup. We have a, I have a photo but where the director was actually going to act in it, and we did a cut-off uh, knife handle right. sticking out of the neck, and that came out pretty cool, but he wasn't patient enough, as it is with any indie film. The right. makeup stuff, they're always like, oh, can you do it in like five minutes? Right. He didn't, <laughs> let, like... he didn't let the adhesive set all the way, so we only got about three or four takes of that. Um, he had the guy in the blood rig. We had blood rig where someone's be shot in, you know, white shirt, right. blood squirts, or part of it was used to be blood pouring and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He let him sit out in the 30 degree weather, and I told him, I go, the blood tubing's thin, so part of the blood froze. Yeah. Oh, we'll CG that later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nice, you know, nice just, try. Yeah, yeah, so it, it, it was one of those things. At the end of the day, I had a blast, but it was just a nightmare. I said, hey, can you, you know, I need my money now. Yeah. Thankfully, I got paid, and, you know, and I actually helped a couple guys out who got me on some other stuff, so I felt, you know, yeah. we all got paid. That was cool. Six months later, he actually got a hold of me, and I wasn't using this email at the time. Yeah. He ended up doing a whole post-apocalyptic web series that was successful. Oh, really? And had a whole couple seasons. Yeah. That I could have worked on, but I was like just like not in contact right. at the right time. Yeah. So that was kind of one of those like, God, I hate myself that that didn't work <laughs> out. But uh, I went to West Virginia and did a trailer at the uh, asylum down there. One of the like the oldest ones in it's in Weston, West Virginia. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't the heard of it. Transatlantic, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. sort of. But I, I think I've heard of that. That yeah. was probably my favorite shoot I was ever on because. They took me down. I was there on and off for a few days. You know, paid dinners. We had meetings. Yeah, right, yeah. Very professional. It was great. I, I mean, the asylum, they, once the makeup was done, I got full range. You know, I got to, right. I, went, I got to just basically explore the whole thing by myself yeah. for the most part, which was incredible. I tried to stay on set some, you know, for yeah. touch-ups or stuff. Um yeah, you, know. you got to wander around a little but, bit. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, you know, when they were shooting scenes that didn't really have any makeup, it was easy to kind of, you know, go off. But that was incredible. That's online. Um, 7X is what it's called. Uh, the first trailer that had th- thousands and thousands and thousands of views, the guy was an editor from L.A., the director, and he wanted right. to start getting into directing. He actually wrote a book. It's based on a book that he wrote. Gotcha. He gave yeah. me the book, so I read that for the backstory and stuff. Uh-huh. The books on like Amazon too and stuff like that. Um, he knew a lot of people. He was trying to get the film made, and then you know how it is. I mean, there's just a million scripts right. out there. A million. Right. He re-edited the trailer like four. There's four different versions of the trailer out there. Each one there's more worthless scenes. Like he just started <laughs> taking out makeup scenes, and they were like scenes of them running or yelling. It just, I was just right. like, it was yeah. bad. Like, but by, by the time I saw the last edit. That he did, and he edited it like over two years. I was just like, "This is horrible," but I have beautiful stills from that. Like I did, like great back wounds where like someone stuck their hand in and like yeah. went through their back, like right. um, bruising, scarring, you know, any any kind of thing. I mean, that was that was probably my favorite gig. Um, I did a couple other little trailers, and right? Things, yeah. Nothing really of of note, you know. Uh, yeah. I did. One film a year ago was a feature that is actually finished. It was based on a popular web series shot in Pennsylvania with some guys I know. Um, Grandma's Apartment was the web series. <laughs> it's on YouTube. This is a feature. Um, 
it's a it's a pretty much like a fifty sci fi spoof thing. Gotcha. Yeah. And I I apparently have a copy of it somewhere that was sent to me. I should probably watch that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm really excited. It was an absolute blast. Everyone was the crew was incredible. I mean, it was just yeah. great. I've done I did the Crypt Drop music video a couple years oh, ago. Yeah. I was part yep. of that. Yeah. Um, a few, like I said, a few other things, but I mean, a lot of stuff's out there. A lot of it's out there in like free yeah. domain, like YouTube or some of these things. Right. But they're paid gigs, and it's yeah. just part of it. You just, you know. Yeah. I, I guess sort of as we like wind down here, is there anything that like you've been thinking about that like you want to do? Like, are there any like like do you have any ideas for like a short <sighs> film or anything? Or? I'd, I'd like to work. Well, if you ever do something, <laughs> oh, we got we should do something. We should do something. Yeah, that'd be especially now that you live so close. I mean, we should do something. That's we'll put it out there right now. We should work on something, short film or whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, maybe next year when the weather yeah gets a little bit yeah a little bit because I'm always like bouncing around like ideas and stuff, but mm. like I never make anything. And mm. like the I literally thought of one like last week because like our washer and dryer are broken mm-hmm. and so like i was at the laundromat doing laundry and like i was thinking i was like has there ever been a horror movie that has taken place in a laundromat before and then i was thinking you would call it like laundra slash or like something like really stupid like a fake that'd be, yeah that'd, like, like, i'm down for that yeah. like a fake trick like i was picturing like and if anyone steals this idea i mean we know where it's from so like we actually it's gonna be copyrighted by the time this comes yeah. out so, like, I was, like, picturing, like, a severed head, like, just going around in a washing machine. Like, someone maybe gets, like, a hot iron to the face. That'd be great. Just, yeah, like, various, be, uh, like, shit like that. Like My Bloody Valentine, the original, they, they do have a body in, in a washing machine. A full body. Yeah. Not they, a decapitated head, though. Not a decapitated head, which no. would make a lot of noise and be very amazing. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to work on, like, just, like, that'd be just cool. Just anything, Something yeah. like that. Uh, my buddy... Dylan Nimi, who you know, right, like he yeah. went to film school. He's actually been working on a ton of stuff in the South. Like he's been since he's graduated, like mostly with like local film companies. Right, but yeah. He's been constantly working, and I'm really proud of him. His stuff's coming out really good. He sent me some trailers. Um, I'd like to maybe eventually work with him, but you know, unfortunately, I yeah. my career is I'm very right. very slammed. It's very, and yeah. also because I'm working with millimeters, small details. I'm pretty exhausted a lot <laughs> yeah, of the time. Just being right. honest, I mean, yeah. I have I have a crazy workload constantly, but I still try to work on a couple film projects a year. So I'd like, um, you know, yeah, I'd like to work on some stuff in this next year. This year has probably been my least productive. Yeah, <laughs> as a, as you know, an effects artist or you know whatever. But you're gonna have those. I mean, I know, oh, yeah, I know sure. people yeah. that work in the industry that they consider it their job. And I had a friend the other year. She went. In one year, she had three or four months on and off, where she had no work. Right, and she's in LA, and she's like, yeah. no, like she has a name. Her name is actually out there. Like she's worked on a ton of stuff. Yeah, but like this, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah, it, it, especially if, if you know if you have another career. I mean, you kind of it's it's hard. You're not always gonna right. do work. You know. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to come up with an idea for something. We're gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to. We do have the winner. To, you know, we have the yeah. winner to you know. Yeah. Maybe bounce some ideas off. You know, yeah. see what's possible. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Well, uh, where where can people find you online? Miles Sack. <laughs> Sad that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, do, isn't my yeah my name is Sack on uh, isn't it Miles Sack? Uh, I'm, on, I'm on Instagram, and my Instagram is probably the only thing that I actually I don't have a Twitter or anything like that. 
I have a special effects resume page, but it's missing about five years of work. Oh, yeah? <laughs> so a, a lot of the work that I've gotten over the years has just been word of mouth through I worked for someone and then I right. got something else. Or, you know, friends or friends of friends or, um, you know, finding people online. And right. like, you know, a lot of it is if you go meet these people or, you know, people and you just bring some, you know, some photos of various things you've done. Right. A lot of these independent things, they'll just, they'll just hire you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're like, the whole guy knows something, you know, he knows more yeah. than we know. And like, yeah, I mean, so I really haven't, especially because it's a very, very part-time thing for me. Um, really since I've left the, doing the haunted houses, uh, I haven't, yeah. I haven't really updated my resume, but I post some. St- I post on Miles Sack. <laughs> it's Miles. Uh, Miles uh, is it A A C K? Yeah. So there's two A's in there because my middle initial. But on Instagram, uh, eventually when I start doing more stuff, or when I do do stuff, very occasionally I do post on there. But um, if anybody that listens to this needs a special effects artist in the greater Cleveland area or Columbus. Um, you can find me on Instagram or commenting on, you know, yeah, I mean, what, reach what out to me or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd love to do some stuff or even, you know, day shoots. I'm down, I'm really big of like going out yeah, there, doing a short yeah, film, right. doing a trailer, doing whatever. I mean, I think, I think they're a blast, you know? Well, that's about it. So uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys for listening to me ramble on, you know? <laughs> Well, that's it for this time, guys. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Midnight Miles. As always, make sure you like this video, share it with a friend, and if you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to my channel. I'll see you back here next week for another episode of the House of Horror podcast and back here on YouTube tomorrow for another video from the House of Horror. That's it for this time, guys. Take care and stay spooky.